When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Oh, you didn't know? Your ass better call somebody! Research and development. Putting in the man hours to study the science of what you need. Last week, we put liquid paper on a bee. And it died. What? Did we just become best friends? Yup! Can I tell you something without you getting angry? I love you. Yeah, you big guy. What's up, everybody? Welcome back into another edition of the 14 Chess Dynasty Football Podcast. We're so glad that you clicked the play button to listen to us. Before we get into it, please make sure you're signed up for the newsletter. So much dope content from the Destination Devi team in there every Friday. The description is in the episode description down below. But without further ado, let me bring in my best buddy here in this entire space. Adam, how are we doing tonight, buddy? How you feeling? Man, I'm doing well. We are doing well. Dynasty Degenerates, welcome back in another week. Another episode of the 40 Chess Dynasty Football Podcast. Uh, if you've been with us for a while, we appreciate you rocking with us. If you're new to the show, this is a dynasty strategy show. Uh, we've been at it since the beginning of the year, early 2022. And uh, we talk dynasty strategy, dynasty trades, our outlooks on you know ways to gain value and try to 4D the rest of your league. So without further ado, Mike... I'm excited. We're going to get into some other stuff here this week. Hell yes, we are. And can you believe it, man? You're talking about us doing this since January. This is episode 40. Nice round number 40. 40 times we sat down here to talk to each other, to talk to the Dynasty Degenerates and try to convey our message of our strategy and what we like to do and what we actually do i think that's very important in today's spaces is not just tell the people what to do or how to do it but actually do it ourselves so everything that we always talk about in the show is always something or how we actually look and approach our teams too i mean yeah. we play in a shit ton of leagues and i know you've given me crap because i keep dragging you into more and more and more <laughs> you went from like i'm good at five to now it's probably like 20 yeah over 20 it's all leagues. my fault it's yeah. all my fault you know 
hey, I just needed I just needed a little nudge. But yeah, I'm, we're we're into a lot of leagues, a lot of the stuff. You're, everything you hear us talking about here is something we're gonna do or are trying to implement in our own leagues. And um, I, honestly, Mike, you know, through our first year here, we've we've made some bad calls, right? We we've had some players uh, player analysis wrong. We've had certain strategies haven't always worked out. But um, you know, we're we're gonna talk about where they are, where we are today. And obviously, you know, how we've adjusted to the information and what we think the best way to move forward is overall based on a lot of that. So for those of you who are tapped into the Destination Debbie space and all the content, I mean, we have something that seems like every single day, daytime, nighttime, halftime, if there's a time in it or it ends in day, there's probably a piece of Destination Debbie content out there. This team is killing the game. But one of our good friends in the space, a guy that we respect, uh, made his podcast debut on Destination Devi, uh, his solo podcast debut, because he also does America's Game with another one of our buddies, Eric Vanek, on Saturdays. Right. Yeah. Uh, he made he made his debut Monday, right? The, uh, the yeah. podcast came Scott, out, the flagship show. Yes, the, the Dynasty flagship show. Fantastic. And he, he one of the things he looked at was running backs. And every time Scott does something, uh, you know this all too well. There, there's always too many times where I come to you and I'll be like, I heard Scott Connor talking about this. And, and this is why I now hate Brevin Jordan. <laughs> and I'm going to trade him away for nothing. Right. Uh, every time he does something, it makes you think. And it, especially for me, it makes me think. And I'm going like, holy shit. Like, I've never really looked at it this way. And Scott provides so many good data points and statistical analysis to back up why he's doing it. One of the things I like to do, though, and and this is this is almost all the credit to Scott, is sometimes when Scott explains it, he he's too smart for me. <laughs> I'm a dumbass, and I need like simple things. I'm I'm more of a color by numbers kind of guy. Scott's out here painting masterpieces with Picasso, you know, like he's he just fucking making Bob great Ross. pictures. And, yeah, and I'm I'm just trying to draw a fish, yeah, <laughs> and stay within the lines. But he's trying to draw something that we can guess on Pictionary, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm lucky if I can make happy little trees. <laughs> that's that's it. But when he does it, uh, he did a show this week was about the running back landscape, and you know, I'm thinking like man, he's bringing up some great points. Let me go look at it for myself. So that's what we wanted to bring you tonight is some data analysis from uh, the dumbass point of view, <laughs> from, from our point of view, some simpler numbers for for me to kind of wrap my head around to see if like what is Scott, if what he's talking about, is it real? Like is there this shift in the, the, the landscape of running backs versus wide receivers? So Adam, I made some spreadsheets. I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing, but we're going to go over them and uh, some of the data that I found. And it's actually quite surprising for me. So are you ready, buddy? Are you are you strapped in? Are you buckled up? You got your Sazerac rye? Is that what we're drinking tonight too? Sazerac? Oh, yeah. Sa- Sazerac tonight. It's a, it's a, it's typically a staple. Every now and again, I dabble in some other stuff. But Sazerac's one of the staples here, and I- I'm ready to get into it. All right. Well, if you got your Sazerac, I got my vodka. As always, vodka lemonade. So let's dive into the first spreadsheet, the first of two spreadsheets that I made. So what I did is I took all the running backs, right? So I took all running backs down to uh, RB50. Yeah, RB50. I don't want to go to RB100. No one gives a shit. (laughs) RB50. Right. Uh, And what I did is I listed them out by points per game. All right, so credit to where I found this data, ESPN, standard PPR scoring. 
it lists their fantasy points, their average. Um, what I did do, though, is add eight, an ADP column. So right here in column D, Adam, you can see this. The, obviously, the people listening on radio cannot. But I added an ADP column, right, just so I could keep track of where these people were drafted. So the ADP column is pulled from a Deco's ADP, one that we've talked about on the show a billion Beautiful. times, one yeah. that we love. Beautiful. Um, I pulled it from August, so the entire month of August, so uh, right before the season started, right? So I didn't want September to bleed in or injuries or anything like that. Right before the season started, Dynasty ADP 12-team Superflex Leagues, pretty standard stuff. What I found, Adam, was for RB1s, the average ADP of an RB1 is pick 71.5, so roughly about the the back part of the fifth round. So pick 511, 512, okay? The average ADP of an RB2 was 99.6, so the eighth round, early part of the eighth round. And for an RB3 was 125, pick 125, so about the middle part of the 10th round. So this just gives you an idea of where the running backs were. Now, conversely, if I go to the wide receiver thing, I did the exact same thing for the wide receivers, except for went down to, again, wide receiver 50. So I'm not going to go too far deep into it. But the average ADP of a wide receiver one who's performing like a wide receiver one right now was pick 51.9. So around the early part of the fourth round. That's actually meaning that if we just look at the RB1 versus the wide receiver one, Adam, uh, for me, kind of a shocking thing was you were better off spending your earlier picks on wide receivers, right? Something right. that we we don't do Correct. normally. Correct. Right? And we're beating it by not beating it. The wide receivers are beating them by almost a round, a right. round and a half. Okay? Right. Uh, the average ADP of a, of a uh, wide receiver two, uh, pick 89.3, so around the seventh round, um, middle part of the seventh round, and a wide receiver three, 176. So your wide receiver threes, wah, 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 uh, round 14.7. <laughs> so that gives you what the, the mid to back part of round 14. So just off of this takeaway, Adam, I, I touched on the first part, right? You were better off to take wide receivers in the earlier parts and also in kind of like the uh, the middle parts versus running backs, right? right? The guys who are actually performing in those zones right now, the the draft capital, the average ADP favors them. As far as wide receiver threes go, though, they they don't fucking matter, <laughs> right? They don't, right? Correct. If you can get a wide an average, the average draft position of a wide receiver three is in the fourteen point seven, so. <laughs> Those are the ones that nobody gave a shit about. <laughs> nobody cared about them in Dynasty. You could find them all over the place, which was kind of surprising for me. Uh, before I get your thoughts on it, let me dive into the last part of this. So what I also did was uh, one of the things that that stuck with me throughout my Dynasty career, throughout how I viewed uh, you've probably heard me talk about it before, was there was a tweet or a podcast. I, I believe it was with... Uh, Rich Rebar and uh, Matt Kelly, the pod father, right? Where they were talking about running back and wide receiver scoring. And one of the old standbys was that RB2s generally only score about 66%, give or take a few percentage of what RB1s do. And wide receiver twos versus wide, uh, wide receiver ones 
were scoring somewhere in like the 80% range. So it always kind of lent me, uh, lent, lent to me this, uh, this belief that, man, if there's such a fall off from RB1s to RB2s, and there's not that big of a fall off between wide receiver ones and wide receiver twos, why the fuck would I ever invest in wide receivers that heavily when I can get such an advantage with the, uh, with the RB ones, okay? The positional scarcity kind of deal. This year, Adam, kind of strange, okay? So RB1s on average are scoring about 17.8 points per game. This is through four weeks. RB2s are scoring 13.7. So they're scoring about 76.8%, 76.9 if you want to round up percent of what RB1s are doing. Right. So that's that's way up from that that 66% number, right? <laughs> that's that's a pretty big increase. And RB3s are scoring about uh, 11.1 points per game or about uh 62.5% of RB1s or if you want to look at it from RB3 to RB2 it's about 81.39%. So it's a lot more condensed than it ever has been. If right. I look the, at the wider, yeah, the, yeah, the, the running backs are just—they're more jumbled than they've ever been. Yes, if I look at the wide receiver one so far on the year, wide receiver ones are averaging twenty point six seven points per game. Adam, twenty point six seven—like these are RB numbers in the past <laughs> that that we have been accustomed to, right? And, we always and, think RB ones twenty points per game—that's what they're going to get you. Right, and in the, the wide receiver ones, at least for the first four weeks of the year, and what it's looking like, like they're scoring more than just the running backs are scoring. Correct. Uh, the wide receiver twos, like there's a big gap between a wide receiver one and a wide receiver two, bigger than ever. Fifteen point one points per game. They're scoring about seventy three point three percent of what a uh, a wide receiver one is. So that's that's down from that eighty percent number, right, that I gave earlier. Uh, wide receiver threes, 13.2, uh, about 64% of wide receiver ones and about 87% of wide receiver twos. So it, it, it w- leads to this weird um, kind of like convoluted year that we've had. And, and it's felt strange to everybody, but wide receivers are one, scoring more points than running backs. Two, the separation at the top is is bigger than it ever has been for the wide receivers and it's closer than ever for the running backs, which is a very strange thing from what we've been used to. So it it was one of those things like when I pulled the data, I'm looking at it going like, man, there's no way Scott's really right about this. Like I got to find something that proves my point. You know what I mean? Like I got to find something that says, nah, Mike, you've been an RB truther your entire life. There's no reason to change now. Adam, off of this one spreadsheet, I went, fuck. <laughs> I, I literally had that conversation with myself. I went, fuck. I have no good argument for it other than wide receiver threes are dog shit. And there's there's really no point in like trying to, you know, who cares? <laughs> who gives a shit about wide receiver threes? But but the uh, the top tier wide receivers versus the top tier running backs, man, I don't have a good ground to stand on right here. So what say you? This is the first time you're seeing the data, having it explained. What were some of your thoughts here when I pulled this up and, and the discrepancies between ADPs or, or the scoring, that kind of thing? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I, Mike, I mean, it's been very, very clear for the first four weeks here. You know, if you, if you have a pulse, if you're paying attention, that 
wide receivers are what's really causing a lot of the wins as far as the skill players. Obviously, quarterback still is king in Superflex. We, we, we know that. Um, th- this year, like, there's just no way to get around it, Mike. The r- running backs are not putting up the points, whether it's diminished roles, whether it's n- not being efficient or not scoring like they did in the past, a la JT, you know, Joe Mixon types, right? Like, Joe Mixon's getting all this volume, but it's inefficient, and he's not getting the scoring opportunities. Um, and, and the other reality, too, is, Mike, wide receivers this year – like, there's a lot of them that are just scoring a lot of points. I mean, Cooper Cup is just – Mike, we saw that game just on Monday night, right? Yeah. I mean, they are force-feeding this guy the ball. And their offensive line can't block for shit. So, yeah, what was that, like 20 fucking targets or something like that? Something crazy. Mike, like, I, saw that, I saw that Cooper Cup had like 10 targets well before halftime. Well oh before gosh. halftime, so like, like we we get excited when any of our favorite wide receivers, like if Rashad Bateman got ten targets in an entire game, we'd be like, yeah, yeah, let's go, Nailed double it. digit, t- double digit targets, it. right? Yeah, Nailed it, great call by us. This motherfucker had ten targets before halftime. Yeah, I mean, and and Mike, uh, you know, just just keeping it real, like through four weeks, there's no way to say that the running backs are not disappointing, and like that's just the reality of it. Um. The the one thing that I do think is is important to talk about at some point is, you know, is the four week sample size enough, and is it a big enough predictor in the future? Like it's you can't really say for sure, but the reality is, yes. I mean, right now, running backs are disappointing. Um, there is truth to a lot of the running backs. You know, one of the reasons you and I were high on Saquon Barkley, one of the few guys at the running back position we got right, was. He's looking to get like he's so talented. They're going to put him on the field a ton. His opportunities are insane. Yes. So he's yes. a he's a perfect. You know, if you're one of these guys that wants to go for one running back, right? Like he's a perfect fit for that because he's on the field so damn much. A lot of the guys that we like at running back, they're not seeing a Saquon Barkley level opportunity, let alone workload. Like they're not on the field enough to even get Saquon opportunity. So, Huge. um, yes. That 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 piece is a big part, and obviously, you know, the 2020 class. Um, you had a lot of those running backs that were really exciting, that either disappointed or got hurt. You know, Cam Akers and J.K. Dobbins coming off the injuries. Um, so what it's really led to, Mike, is this this landscape of the running back position where, you know, there's not that many young, exciting running backs that you can chase. We've talked about it on 4D before. The, the tantalizing upside running back. There's not that many of them right now. And I think that's no. part of why 2023 has been so craved and why everyone's so high on it is because of looking for those. But the running back landscape right now, plus how they're performing, and plus some of the guys that are drafted later, you know, the Jamal Williams types, the Miles Sanders, the Josh Jacob types, right? Like these guys are hitting. And then, you know, if you thought that ETN was going to be the workhorse, you were fooled because James Robinson, who's being drafted a lot later, has come through. So. Like there's a lot of truth to running back heavily investing in running back this year through four games. It's probably hurt you. Now, you know, there are scenarios, right, where you could have had Nick Chubb and Saquon Barkley and Derrick Henry, and you're okay. But by and large, like it's absolutely right that running backs are not smashing for us. They're just not. They they are not. Um, I. One of the weird things, though, is uh, you, you did bring up a good point, and I don't know if this is like trutherism or not. But we, we kind of saw this last week. We had a ton of running backs that performed really well. Um, 
kind of got overshadowed by by a couple of the big names. Um, you know, Jonathan Taylor getting hurt, doing nothing. And, uh, of course, Javante Williams with that devastating knee injury. But, you know, Austin Eckler had a fantastic game. Josh Jacobs was amazing. Miles Sanders blew the fuck up. Uh, Nick Chubb still doing Nick Chubb things, right? Doesn't matter. Nick Chubb is still good at football. And a lot of people's like, I'm not going to say dynasty RB1, but especially redraft RB1. Chris McCaffrey still doing his thing, even though uh, Baker Mayfield's got off at football. Yeah, he's not doing it to the old CMC heights, but he's, Correct. he's he's putting up points. He Yeah, I mean, he's still averaging 18 fantasy points on the year. <laughs> not the worst thing, right? You drafted Chris McCaffrey. I don't think you're entirely disappointed, unless you were one of those guys who were like, I, he's going to score 25 points every game. Uh, come on. But yeah. still, uh, Derrick Henry starting to do his thing. I mean, there's been some. Uh, Aaron Jones had a big blow-up game. He's also had a couple duds. But, you know, that's also the the upside and the downside of owning uh, Aaron Jones shares. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you're going to kind of have to expect that. Some of these other guys, though, like uh, Joe Mixon hasn't been great. Um, I think we can say, though, that that entire Bengals offense, uh, because also Jamar Chase, you know, everybody's dynasty wide receiver one outside of week one hasn't been great. Uh, T. Higgins has had a blow-up game since then, but the whole offense just is, has not looked like it, like it used to, like we remember. Sure. <laughs> so so it's kind of been disappointing. Um Brees Hall is starting to come on again. Other like mainstays like Leonard Fournette starting to fade a little bit and see more work to Rashad White, uh, J.K. Dobbins. Welcome back, J.K. Dobbins. So it has been a weird year for running backs. So I do want to give a little bit of credit that uh, maybe over the next couple of weeks, we'll kind of see maybe a little bit of a resurgence from running backs. But I do have to acknowledge where the fuck we're at right now. And where we're at right now is wide receivers are taking it Adam. <laughs> like just off of this one spreadsheet and my own data research, wide receivers are taking the cake. Uh, everything that Scott provided wide receivers are taking the cake, but I do, I, I do want to say that maybe it's some of this, you know, we've heard a lot about this, uh, the shell coverage, right? The cover two shell. It's all the rage in the NFL, the defense. Maybe this last week with some of these offenses going like, if you want to play that and not give up the big play, maybe we're going to establish the fucking run a little bit more, right? You want to put two safeties deep, now we're going to run the football a little bit more. So maybe we see a little bit swing back for the running backs. But like I said, this, that that is an actual data. I can't put my uh, my conjecture into a spreadsheet. <laughs> that, no, I mean, the number, that won't the, show up worth a shit. The, the numbers are numbers. And I mean, um, you, you know, Mike, though, I do want to say this too, like th- there's absolutely truth to the wide receivers are scoring more when it comes to those wide receiver one weeks. Right. Um, but h- here's the thing. When I look at some of these numbers, Mike, it, like I, I think there's definitely a reality that the, the values are shifting and, and ultimately the market, right? Mike, when you look at things, when it comes to dynasty 40 chess, a lot of that is based on what your league mates and what the market's doing. So like for if we were to not acknowledge what's happening in the market, we're not we're doing you a disservice. So if you're seeing this, yeah, absolutely. The 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 values are shifting more to the high end receivers and people are getting more and more off of or scared off of the running backs who are either not producing, getting injured, you know, Javante Williams, 
uh, DeAndre Swift. Jonathan Taylor is not going to play tomorrow. So when you listen to this, Jonathan Taylor didn't play yesterday on Thursday. There's a lot of reasons that make sense. Um, but Mike, even, even at the wide receiver, like when you talk about the wide receiver ones, right? So when it comes to the warp data, I mean, Christian Kirk's a guy that was not being drafted highly. He's a guy that's winning you warp weeks, right? Uh, Cortland Sutton, he's a guy that's not being drafted high. He has, he's one of the, he's one of the, there's, there's 11 guys, Mike, that have a one or higher warp. Uh, Cortland Sutton, Christian Kirk, Amon Ross St. Brown and Hollywood Brown weren't drafted in the first five rounds. So like you're very, you're very right. Every one of those guys had warts on them and, and we still put, we still put warts on Hollywood, you and I. Right. You and I are still like, oh, we ain't the biggest Hollywood guys, but we can acknowledge he's producing. But, you know, I remember being a staunch defender of one Cortland Sutton, right, and having the Jerry du- Judy debate. The Amon Ra, I don't know how many tweets I have fucking bookmarked on Twitter, Adam, where people are dunking on Amon Ra after DJ Chark signed. Right. Like, that has been one of my, my highlights of this year is watching Amon Ra, you know, just put it to bed. Like, doesn't matter he's a fourth-round pick. Doesn't matter that Hawkinson and Swift and DJ Chark's there. He doesn't give a shit. Amaraj is just good at football, right? So that that is good, right? That that is crazy to think that the, what'd you say? Eleven guys have a plus one or one or better warp, right? And th- those guys right now are, are guys that nobody really gave a shit about, right? Right? They all kind of had warts. Not quite forty percent, right? Four of ten would be forty percent. Four of eleven, so you're in like the high thirties are yeah guys that weren't drafted highly. But at the same time, in the same breath, Mike, I, I mean, I'm not going to fight the narrative that drafting wide receivers isn't paid off because like when you look at the top so when you look at the top 13 14 let's call it hell we can even do 15 let's just do the top 15 because all those guys are right there um yeah t higgins is at 0.92 so when you talk about it justin jefferson check jamar chase check cooper cup check cd lamb even with cooper rush check aj brown check uh stefan diggs i believe check right like debo samuel check so, you know, a lot of these guys, Devontae Adams also check. T. Higgins check. Like, I think we basically got to get to the point of, like, DK Metcalf, Michael Pittman, DJ Moore territory, which is, like, the fourth round before we're not hitting, you know, the, the warp Positive is very warp. high. Yeah. yeah. And, and so, you know, and, and, and the other thing, too, when you, when you talk about it, Mike, like, Jamar Chase had that one blow-up week in week one. But the the following three weeks weren't great. But even still, even with that, like he still is hitting at a point nine five warp. So, you know, the the reality is this: like right now, four weeks in, it's no no debate. The wide receivers drafting early versus the running backs drafting early. If you just yeah. looked at the numbers, they're 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 hitting to the point that's paying off for you. So, to to get up here and act like you know, the running back to this for four, first four weeks is the better play, which we, which is what we've been doing, right? A lot of times we, we talked about positional scarcity and how we want to value players like that hasn't paid off. Now it doesn't mean that you maybe dodge some landmines and still didn't have a winning team or like Mike, when we talk about best ball that you still can't have receivers late that are winning you weeks, you know, you and I both have teams I'm sure that are bad. And we talk about rebuilding and how bad some of our teams are and some are the contenders are still really good, but like overall by and large, Absolutely, man. Taking the receivers early. The first, I think the first three rounds of receivers based on ADP, Mike, they all hit. None none of them are disappointing right now. To to some extent, yes. Um, man, I don't want to make this the entire, like, 
Holy shit, Adam and Mike have gone soft on us. They've gone completely to the dark side of wide receivers. No. Uh, I just need to acknowledge, right, the, the first four weeks, I mean, people are, are right about it, right? I do have something else, though, Adam. So never fear if you're sure. a, a staunch running back truther. <laughs> you're a staunch running back truther. There is a glimmer of hope. It is not, it is not a, a, a safety net. It is more like one of those flimsy orange buoys that they toss off you. You know, a giant cruise ship. They give you like a, a, a one foot wide orange buoy. Like here, this will save you from all the ocean waves, <laughs> keep you from drowning. That's what this is. <laughs> it's, it's not great, but here it is, Adam. So you know how much I love my uh, consistency in spike weeks, right? And we've made up a, a great formula that I love for it. So what can I do? I can import all the data from the first four weeks into this consistency spike weeks table for running backs and wide receivers. And I can kind of get an idea, not running backs versus wide receivers, but how these players are doing amongst their own positions and where you're getting the positional advantage week in and week out versus the rest of your league mates. So we, we went through the scoring, right? Wide receivers are outscoring running backs. That That's not up for debate. Right through the first four weeks of data, that's what we have. But right when you talk about as, when you talk about the flex spot, the wide receiver is the spot that you want. Let's talk about uh, running backs. So the first thing I'm going to look at is uh, consistent weeks. So there is only only Adam six running backs who've had three or more consistent weeks. And what a consistent week is for those of you who haven't listened to our, our previous podcast is. You need to be a top 16 or better at your position, right? So that means that at least eight other guys in your league that are starting, your guy would have outscored them, right? So top 16 or better. There's only six running backs in the entire league who have three or more consistent weeks, top 16 weeks or better, right? So Mm -hmm. it's... There's only one dude who's done it four weeks in a row. <laughs> Do we want to say the name? It's the most dunked on <laughs> running back of all time since he was drafted at possibly 101 in the class. Uh, one Clyde Edwards Hilaire. T Rock's going to be doing backflips after he hears this. <laughs> I mean, he, he, he's been doing backflips, but now he's going to be doing them in our, uh, our, our Harry Savage tier chat, right? In front of T- everybody. T Rock's going to be elated. Uh, Nate List is just beaming. Ear to ear. <laughs> Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. But next, uh, Saquon Barkley, Nick Chubb, Jamal fucking Williams, uh, James Robinson has been a nice surprise. And one, surprisingly, Adam, Brees Hall, already. Yeah. Already. It, he started getting a lot of pass volume early, and then last week it looks like he might even be taking over the backfield. So, um, you know, and I think that's part of where four weeks, like – I, I do want to acknowledge we have to we have to realize what's happening in front of us and be real about it, but it also isn't the end all be all sample size, Mike, and that'll be something I get into later. But um, like Brees yeah. Hall looks like he already, like you said, he's got three consistent weeks, and this is a guy that's workload looks like is going to increase. Yes, yeah, that that is very promising. Uh, Austin Eckler just on the cuff, you know, to Christian McCaffrey, Derrick Henry, you know, some of the mainstays, uh, DeAndre Swift. Obviously, because of his, uh, you know, injury situation, had two weeks as well. But let's look at spike weeks, Adam. Uh, so spike weeks are defined for us as a top five, a top five or better finish on the week. 
Only two running backs have two spike weeks, and that's Saquon Barkley and Austin Eckler, right? So these aren't the uh, the the waiver wire gems, the the guys that you found in the tenth round, the guys you found in the fifteenth round, the uh, the replacements, right? These weren't these the, are, uh, This isn't the these aren't the running backs you found in the lost and found bin when you went to look for something, you know. These are a couple of round two or round three startup picks. Right. Period. Yeah. <laughs> like that's where they were going. Uh, next on the list, though, would be uh, Nick Chubb, right? He finished RB1 on the week one time, week two. Uh, Jamal Williams, surprisingly, classic thorn in the side, right? He's next on the list, RB3 in week three. Damn it, Jamal. <laughs> Damn it, Jamal. But with our uh, with our formula, right, where we weight spike weeks and above average, right, we don't want to give him the exact same weight, right? You should have more for being a quote-unquote league winner or week winner for for it. Uh, Saquon Barkley, Austin Eckler, Nick Chubb, and then RB4 on the combined spike weeks above average consistent weeks would be Jamal Williams and then Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. But then you also have the mainstays, Chris McCaffrey, Derrick Henry. Uh, Miles Sanders a guy who got dunked on a lot. Again, kind of more of a boom bust if you just look at his weekly finish, 13, 18, 51, and then three. <laughs> So, yes, living up to everything we thought about about Miles Sanders kind of boom bust. Uh, Cordell Patterson, DeAndre Swift, uh, Damian Pierce, DeAndre Swift, James Robinson, Brees Hall, Josh Jacobs. Next guys on the list. All right, so not too many like holy shit came out of nowhere, guys. Pierce, obviously, yes. James Robinson, yes. Cordell Patterson, yes. Uh, Miles Sanders for most people, yes. Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, yes. And Jamal Williams, yes. So that's the running back position as far as spike weeks go, Adam. Mm -hmm. All right. So your consistent weeks, your spike weeks are generally consolidated towards those guys that we were drafting high anyways. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Not a lot of not a lot of dudes um coming out of nowhere, right? right? Where you didn't spend a whole lot. So again, a little bit of hope that when you look at the running back position, if you spent premium draft capital yes you will have those guys who do get injured and lost for the year or those guys who are severely underperforming like jonathan taylor but for the most part you're going to get a positional advantage week in and week out versus the rest of your league mates if they don't spend that premium draft capital on running backs so of course i got to do it for the wide receivers right oh yeah we got to do both sides for sure right uh, as far as uh, above average weeks, so for the wide receiver position, I did extend it out. So I did uh, 16 for the running backs, right? Because most leagues require you only to start two running backs. So 24 guys. Most leagues require you to start three wide receivers. So to have a consistent week for the wide receiver position, you need to be top 24 or better, right? You need to be a wide receiver two or better. So guys who finished wide receiver two or better, top 24, we only have a handful, Adam. Eight. Right. Eight eight for three weeks. Nobody's right. done it four weeks in a row. Right. Um, that's actually a lie. Uh, Mr. Cooper Cup. <laughs> As you can tell, I pulled this data while I'm watching Monday Night Football. So <laughs> Mr. Cooper Cup would be the only one. <laughs> yep. Because, of course, it's Cooper Cup. But the other guys, Tyreek Hill, A.J. Brown, Christian Kirk, Cortland Sutton, C.D. Lamb, Tyler Lockett and Jahan Dotson. 
Did you think fucking Jahan Dotson was going to be on this list? <laughs> I, I like no Jahan way. Dotson a lot. He's one of my highest on wide receivers, but no way would I told you he would have smashed this early this fast as far as the consistent weeks go. No way. That is incredible. Uh, wide receivers with a spike week. Again, top five at the position. Uh, wide receivers with a top five finish. Tyreek Hill, Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson are the only guys with multiple, two or more. Right. So, and then if we look at combined, right, the weighted ones, guys over three. So you got Dotson, Lockett, CeeDee Lamb, Sutton, Kirk, A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, Mike Evans, T. Higgins, Amon Ra, Devontae, Hollywood, Jalen Waddell, Stephon Diggs, Justin Jefferson, Cooper Cup, and Tyreek Hill. Yep. Right. Mr. Mr. Jamar Chase does not make that list. Very interesting, right? So he's got finishes of wide receiver four, 43, 29, and 27. Mm-hmm. So it, when we look at it from a best ball perspective, right? Wide receiver four finish was very nice week one. One you week, right? Probably probably helped you win your week one. The rest of the time, below average option. <laughs> interesting. Interesting that he's a below average option for the rest of the year. And <laughs> even could have you could have done better. And even even someone who's smashing, um, obviously as far as the warp data goes, when you talk best ball, Mike, um, you're basically looking at Justin Jefferson who's gonna win you two weeks. But also if you're counting on him to win you two weeks, it ended up being that week two and week three, he if if you're relying on him to win you those weeks, which he did, right? Number one, four, and number one, week one, right? But then in week two and week three, like if you're relying on him as a first-round pick, you better be backfilled with a lot of depth because he's not making your lineup yeah. for two weeks in a row. Way below average those other two weeks, right? Not not even cracking your lineup for and, most teams. And that's not to, that's not, poorly constructed. And that's not to dunk on those two guys. It's just more of the point that in best ball, the roster construction, the way you go about thinking about things is a little bit different um, because – not, not not saying that Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase aren't nice options in best ball. So I'm like, uh, this is only four weeks yeah. of data. We, we can already assume based on the opportunity and the targets coming their way that you know better weeks are ahead for both of them. But j- just being fair and objective, like when we look at it, it's different in best ball than it is in lineup. Huge, huge. It's it's very interesting when I look at this from the data perspective where. Again, there's so many options at the wide receiver position, right? The only glimmer of hope that I'll give off of this is some of these guys are kind of like all or nothing players, right? The Justin Jefferson. Um, but we can also go to like Stefan Diggs, right? Six and one, week one and, and two, but then 32 and 35, a below average option for you, right? Nothing more than a wide receiver three. Interesting. Right. Whereas like uh, if you look at a guy like Cortland Sutton here, I'm looking at Mike. Who's going to yep. give you, right? He did give you, he probably missed your lineup week one, but yes. then he is that guy that's really rock steady and, and helping you win at other positions because he's a wide receiver two for three weeks in a row. A, a high end uh, wide receiver two. Uh, another one, Tyler Lockett, right? 70, yeah. 15, 21, 21. Or Jahan Dotson, surprising, 17, 21, 91, 24. Yep. So more consistent. In your lineup more, not giving you as big of a duds. Um, there's a lot more. When I look at this kind of data, there's a lot more options at the later part of your startup drafts where you can hit. And for us, I think that's why the the whole running back thing hasn't seemed 
uh, so detrimental, right? Like I'm right. not, I'm not willing to just rub shit all over my face and be like, yeah, I'm that guy. You know, I, I fucked this up. I think for me, it's been because generally when I did the strategy, right, Adam in quarterback, we know runs the whole fucking thing. So in the first four rounds, I'm trying to get two running backs and two quarterbacks generally. Right. Uh, in some, in, form. unless you've got one of the high end tight ends. Correct. Correct. Unless I got Kyle Pitts. For me, it was, right. it was Kyle Pitts or bust, and that didn't work out. It, that one hurt it, you. Yep. Even when I got Kyle Pitts, it was still a bust. <laughs> don't, matter, don't matter what build you took. It was, it was a bust anyway. But generally, like, I was missing out on Kyle Pitts, so I would take, uh, you know, a quarterback or running back in round one. I'd take a quarterback or running back in round two, three, and four. And then I'm looking at the guys in rounds five through, like, ten – five through 12, I might take one or more like running backs in that range too, or like my third quarterback. But generally like my focus is on these wide receivers, right? I'm right. drafting we hammer them like, out there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, even if you extend that out a little bit farther to like round 14, like that's where I'm getting a lot of guys like Christian Kirk or Michael Thomas or, uh, you know, Tyler, Tyler Lockett, Lockett, right? Tyler Lockett, hell of a value. Jahan Dotson was a rookie is a guy that people were dunking on left and right. He, he was, oh. you know, anywhere from the 11th to the 10th um, in the late part of the month. So this is why for me, like when I look at it, so the, the big picture is, yes, I may have missed on a, a JT, right? I may have missed on a JT, but I probably hit on a Cortland Sutton or I hit on a Christian Kirk or I hit on a Michael Thomas, a, a Tyler Lockett, Jahan Dotson, whatever it I'm may in be. Ross St. Brown. I'm in Ross St. Brown's another good one. I'm not going to lie to you. I didn't have a lot of Hollywood Brown. Right. <laughs> so, I, I had so a few, not, but both not, of us were not taking a bunch yes. of Hollywood. We'll admit that on air. Didn't have a lot of Hollywood Brown. So this is why it hasn't seemed so bad for me is because generally week in and week out, for the most part, I have a positional advantage over my league mates at the running back position, and I'm not too far behind at the wide receiver, right? I may not have the Justin Jefferson wide receiver one overall weeks, but I'm getting guys who are putting up wide receiver seven, wide receiver 19, wide receiver 14, wide receiver 22. And I'm keeping pace for the most part when we look at the uh, when we looked earlier at the uh, the points per game data. So that's kind of where I'm at. It's a little bit of a glimmer of hope. And especially I don't think it changes much for me in a best ball league. Like I still feel really good about the teams that are RB heavy because I have so many of these. Cortland Sutton, Christian Kirk, Jahan Dotson, Tyler Lockett types. Um, even if you go down a little bit farther, right? Devontae Smith, another guy who, you know, wide receiver 119, wolf, <laughs> did, did nothing. Uh, but then wide receiver 25, just about made it uh, an above average week. But then wide receiver one, right? Week three, he won you leagues. Mm -hmm. And then wide receiver, wide receiver 64. So well, and then I can Mike, get some I mean, like spike weeks. And the other thing to talk about too is, um, you know, not far out of the very highly drafted, right? Like Michael Pittman pushed himself into the early fourth as far as ADP went. And Mike, yes. I was in a few drafts. I mean, you like you talked about, you bullied me into all these damn drafts. I mean, we were in so many drafts. I watched, <laughs> like, I watched Michael Pittman be drafted in the third round a few times, right? Yes, and for sure. Michael Pittman would be one of the rare examples, but it is one where shit, man. Week one, you're thinking, okay, Michael Pittman. You know, fuck, this is gonna be that dude, uh, number five overall. And then Mikey's out, and then that offense just hasn't been the same, and he's missing your lineups the last two weeks. Plus, he was injured week two. Not not saying that you know that's the common theme for wide receivers, but 
like in best ball, if you drafted the wide receivers early and Michael Pittman was one of your big pieces and you didn't backfill right, you know, and you and let's say you had a, a Jamar Chase or a Justin Jefferson to pair with it, Mike, weeks two and week three, you're not winning those weeks. You, you can't do it. Yes. If you kind of look at it, right, look at the combined score over here, the 2.33 that we have. It's an interesting one, right? It leads off with Jamar Chase and then Devontae Smith. Mac fucking Holland. Mac fucking Holland. Yeah, Michael Pittman. Russell and then Gage. Russell Gage, Jay Jones, Jones. Curtis Samuel, yeah. Chris Olave, uh, Mike Williams, Amari Cooper, Corey Davis, uh, Romeo Dubs, Adam Thielen, Brandon Cooks. I mean, Mike, we're talking about all those guys there are well outside the top seven rounds. We just rattled off. Greg, Greg fucking Dorch. Wa- waiver wire <laughs> gem, right? Jerry Judy. Right? Jerry Judy is the so, first time you get back into that six round range for in a while. It, it, it is a very interesting one when you get down into this range of wide receivers where you can keep pace with some of the turdiest of the turds, right? And Zay Jones is kind of a guy where you're getting him in like, you know, round, geez, man, what, 18, 19? I'd have to look up and see where the fuck his ADP was, but I'm sure it wasn't good. <laughs> I'm sure it wasn't fantastic. So the, the that's kind of what I mean where – like I can kind of hold serve a little bit more at the wide receiver position where I than I could at the running back position because if you look at some of these running backs, right, we get down to that that two point three three range. Jacobs, Aaron Jones, Khalil Herbert was nice, but that's buoyed off of one number one week, week. three number one overall running back, and and let's not forget David Montgomery was healthy going into that game. Other than uh, other than Zach, shout out to him. I'm not good. One of our patrons. How many people were actively being like, you know, David Montgomery's healthy. And the Bears' offense has been shit. I feel like starting Khalil Herbert this week. <laughs> well, I will say we we had five people tuned in to our, um, our our patron morning show, right? And one of them was doing it. So if, if we if we did twenty percent, um, I think we'd be being very bullish. But yeah, I mean, you know, but in best ball, what's nice at least is that doesn't matter because you didn't press the button, right? Yeah, um, like uh, the Rashad Penny one, right? Uh, if you look at him, right, 38, 73, 38, and then RB4 explosion. Right, and shout out to our guy, right, uh, Laquan Jones, who said that, you know, go ahead and start him here. So maybe in lineup you did start Rashad Penny that week. Um, maybe, yep, but, yeah, maybe. But, um, you know, in, in best ball you're going to get it regardless, but the first three weeks he was not even sniffing lineups. Uh, this Tony Pollard one, right, RB57 and then RB3 week two. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, I have a team that's so fucking bad at the running back position. It's so antithetical to what I always talk about, but it's just the way it works out. For whatever reason, my running backs are uh, Naheem Hines, Tony Pollard, and like Antonio Gibson, mm-hmm. and that's pretty much it. And then wow. just a bunch of a bunch of shitters. So I can say I was one of the people who started Tony Pollard in week week two when he had an RB three week, nice. but it's not because I wanted to. <laughs> so the, and, and not only that's the the anti McNutted build. That's a lineup league, huh? Yeah, that's a wow. lineup league. <laughs> wow. R.I.P. Okay. Me. R.I.P. Me for being a dummy. Well, I mean, um, luckily for you, it's antithetical, but it's <laughs> it's been optimal it so out. far. Yeah, <laughs> it worked out. Uh, Joe Mixon, Antonio Gibson, Najee Harris run out the crowd of a a uh, a score of two or better in combined spike weeks. And uh, right, look at some of the dudes who are missing though. Right, uh, Leonard Fournette, oh, man, n- n- gave you one consistent week, and it was this last week. Right, RB twelve. 
Uh, Damian Harris, uh, I don't think too many people were invested in him, but Dalvin Cook, specifically, RB20, 38, 13, and 27. Yeah, he is Javante, Javante, RIP, Denver's offense has been horrible. Right, so even before he tore the uh, ACL, which was week four, so if we took that off the board, you're still only looking at he was a RB8 in week one, and then the week two and week three, he, he didn't make your lineup, so... The one thing I do want to point out is there's some uh, zero RB or hero RB or whatever the fuck you want to call it, uh, darlings on this list of like suboptimal guys, right? So we we touched on the Dalvin Cook one. Obviously not a zero RB guy. <laughs> you had right. to spend a, a, a top, I would say well, at least a full. He could, he could fit the hero RB though, right, if you took one. For sure. Um, Javante, no. But uh, Ramondre, you know how much hype Ramondre was getting? 56, 44, 8, and then 22 this last week. Right. Giving you one consistent week out of all of them. James Conner was a guy that people fucking loved. Uh, 15, 40, 35, 26, not great. A.J. Dillon, another one, 10, 36, 48, 32, not really doing you anything. Uh, Chase Edmonds, um, J.D. McKissick, Michael Carter, uh, Dontrell Hilliard was not somebody that <laughs> anybody was really drafting. Zero RB, hero RB, robust RB, didn't fucking matter. Dontrell Hilliard was not on your radar. But Melvin Gordon, um, Jeff Wilson, and then uh, J.K. Dobbins. But obviously, J.K. Dobbins, nothing in the first two weeks, not even playing. RB 46 and then RB 10. Um, mm-hmm. Very interesting here, this kind of cast of characters, right? Because there's a lot of uh, zero RB truther guys in here that aren't doing shit and aren't giving you an, an advantage. So, again, I'm not saying this is like the, 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 the aha, gotcha, <laughs> because I can acknowledge on the first spreadsheet it's not good. And when I look at that data objectively and put my fucking feelings aside, I go, mm. Yikes, we do have a little bit of a shift here through the first four weeks that I need to acknowledge. Uh, but when I look at this one, it gives me a little bit of a glimmer of hope. And, and especially in best ball leagues, Adam, where I don't want to be wasting a lot of roster spots on guys who aren't going to really do fuck all or make my lineup on a given week. Um, whereas the wide receiver position still, even with the elevated wide receiver scoring, still lends itself to you drafting a lot of these guys late, right? These wide receiver three types, um, you know, when we gave the average ADP of those guys, right, in the round 14 and a half, those kind of guys can get you spike weeks out of fucking nowhere. So those are the dudes that uh, I'll still be investing in in best ball, for sure. Yeah, yeah. so I think, Mike, um, you know, when you when we, when we dive into all this data, um, it, it's funny cause you told me you, you had the spreadsheet you were going to show me on the show, but I've been doing some digging and I kind of had an idea that, you know, the numbers don't look great, but really when I look, you know, I have some, I have, I have several lineup league lineup leagues. Um, but my portfolio now is over 50% best ball. When I look and start digging and seeing the numbers and how I've been drafting, a lot of my best ball contenders are in still pretty good shape. Um, which lends to the data you're showing here. So I think what's interesting, though, is there's actually a scenario where in best ball and lineup, it's a different conversation. Um, And I think ultimately, Mike, when I think about all this data, now that you've showed it and we talked about it out out loud here, 
I think the reality is if you're listening, Dynasty Degenerates, you're tapped in with us. You know, <laughs> you heard Scott's podcast. You heard, you heard, you're hearing this, right? And it's on the same network and, and we're all a team. But you're hearing this and you're saying, okay, like it's sounding like you're kind of agreeing, but kind of conflicting. But how do we move forward? And, and I would say this. Like this does show that in best ball and lineup, you know, the, the strategy may be different where I'm not going to say if you took, if you did the zero RB thing that you couldn't have had a good team, but the numbers are looking more like in best ball. You, you do probably want to get some of your running backs early because you're going to have a hard time finding consistent weeks in those back end yes. RB RBs. And then very rarely are they hitting spike weeks. So not going to say you can't have it that way, but it's probably more optimal still to get a few of your running backs earlier in best ball. Um, albeit the reality is still that <laughs> you get the Javante Williams, you get the one that gets hurt and doesn't produce, uh, you get a DeAndre Swift or something. So, but how do we move forward? Right. And I think there's two things to look at really. Mike, I will say this too, even in lineup, I think one thing to really keep in mind and keep your pulse on is what is the market doing? And, and I want to say it this way, because through four weeks, we have this, right? So we, we will acknowledge like Brees Hall looks like he's ready to take a step forward. Dobbins looked good last week. We, we don't know four weeks out of a 17 game season. Like it's not enough to say for sure that's what's going to happen. But if this trend continues, where does the value shift? Not just here, because let's call it what it is. We have a really good following destination, Debbie. We're growing like crazy. Uh, we have a lot of great content creators and we're trying to help you keep a, a foot ahead. Like we're trying to keep you ahead of the game, but I don't know that the, everybody else has necessarily shifted that the large majority of, of gamers have shifted quite yet to this. So it might give you an advantage, but is it going to be what stays? And if it does stay, what we kind of need to talk about is what is the move in the future and then also ultimately, Mike, I think the reality is like we really have to talk about the 23 class because the 23 class has kind of been this gold mine that we've talked about. And, and a lot of its value is built by the running back position, right? If you think about the 23 class and Mike, we do we do mocks. I mean, I'm in mocks daily, whether it's Devi or rookie mocks with with Barry and Ray and all the guys at Heisman House and um <laughs> You know, when you look at the 23 class, really a lot of its value, if you took the running backs out, like a lot of the value is in running backs. Because if you took the running backs out of the first round, I mean, you're talking about Jordan Addison and JSN, maybe at receiver, you're really excited about, right? And <laughs> you're you're being nice, man. The whole value but, but, is but, in the running back. <laughs> right. But, but I'm saying, like, I'm just saying, like, if you took them out of the first round, the guys that we're going to even really want are going to be Addison and JSN as as we know today. And then the quarterbacks, like, we still think Bryce and C.J. Stroud, but Bryce just hurt his shoulder. We'll see what happens with him. I still think he's going to be a high pick. But th we're talking about four guys all of a sudden now that are yep. sure things. Whereas the reason the 23 class is so high is because it's B. John Robinson, Jameer Gibbs, you know, Zach Evans, a lot of these running backs, Sean Tucker. It depends who goes where and how they finish. But, like, the running back is the apple of the eye, the, the jewel prize in the class. So if this mindset is what is going to happen moving forward, like how does these 23 leverage picks in class, how does it work and how are you going to utilize these picks? Because if you press the button on all these running backs, but we're saying that's not the value and that's not the way you should be doing it, 
Because the reality is this, Mike, the startup values and rookie picks, they still correlate and they blend. And that's something we've talked about from the beginning. So as the season unfolds, if this data stays true, which it, we're not for sure if it will, but if it does, and, and, and there's a very realistic chance because of the way running backs are being used that it stays this way, how do we move moving forward in Dynasty? And if you've acquired a lot of these 23 picks thinking this is going to be your way out, but you're not really someone that wants to go robust RB anymore, what are you going to do to kind of un, undo the mess you started there? Because you probably can still move 23 picks for value based on just this crazy hype for two years. But if you're forced to press the button, like there's a chance you get stuck with a lot of running backs. So this is one of the things that I've been thinking about a lot. So the the first part that you touched on, Adam, I don't think a whole lot's going to change for me in how I view this data and how I approach best ball, right? I'll probably devalue running backs a little bit. But if you listen to any of our best ball podcasts before, you know that Quarterback is pretty much the only position that I really like the elite guys that I really wanted to like hammer and like, like I need elite ones. Just when we looked at the last uh, spike week, consistent week, like quarterbacks were pretty much it. And like the Jonathan Taylors, yes, they're great and, and all that shit, but they just weren't worth the acquisition costs. Like they weren't worth what I had to pay for them. So I was kind of already in that mindset where it's a weird thing to say too. Let me let me ask you this, Adam. With the data that we we have and, and what we know, in the way the entire dynasty community, fantasy community as a whole is kind of shifting and becoming more aware, right? Scott's right. talking about it, Ray's talking about it. There's a lot of smart people and a lot of big influencers in the space talking about it, and people are well aware of it. Right, sure. Does the term RB dead zone just get thrown right out the fucking window, right? <laughs> because all of a sudden now now, instead of there being like all these running backs were taken in rounds two and three, where you're like, I got to get these running backs before the RB dead zone. Well, now those dudes are going to get pushed down a little bit more, right? Right. And well, now they're technically in the RB dead zone. That's not a thing anymore. Like, those well, are the dudes that I actually want, right? Maybe I'm taking a, a, a CD lamb earlier than I ever have. Well, and then in like round three or four, or, or maybe round four or five, I'm like, holy shit, I can't believe like a, a Nick Chubb type or an Austin Eckler is available or whoever it may be. Fuck, I'm going to take these dudes. Like, those aren't dead zone RBs anymore. These are potential game changers that you're taking in those spots. Well, well, well it's so interesting, Mike, because that's where I was going to go to. But okay, so first and foremost, I think regardless of best baller lineup, one thing that stays true in both of them is quarterback early is still king. If you can leave with two top 12, top 15 type quarterbacks, it's the optimal strategy regardless of best baller lineup, right? Things will probably differ from there as you go. It's not always different, but there is a different strategy when you talk about lineup and best ball. We've been playing best ball now, you know, for a decent amount of time, like when a lot of different leagues to see some of this stuff play out. Um, this is what I would like to say, and let me say it this way, right? Like Scott Connors podcast and and you kind of hit it, right? Like I've been a content consumer. I'll be honest since creating content and with how crazy my life is, I have not quite had an, as I haven't been able to consume as much content as I've, I've liked to, or I have in the past, but there's still the staples I consume. I just, I'm not going to miss, you know? And so when when Scott has his flagship podcast and uh, you know I'm I'm on the intro right and I'm like yeah let's let's see what this is all about and he, he's hitting with a lot of points that are opposite of how you and I have thought which 
doesn't mean that you know we can't be wrong. And, and obviously, there's points where we'll be honest. The running back is the wrong way to go in certain spots. But when I start listening, it makes you think. And, and the other thing that, on top of thinking, we have to admit is information anywhere is not static, right? Like static is not the way that information works in today's day and age. I mean, Mike, think about if everything was static. I mean, we'd still be smoking while we do surgery in hospitals, yeah. right? Like yeah. things For change sure. and yep. it's okay. And, and the reality is as the market change, if you stay static, you're going to lose out. So the reality is you always want to try to be getting ahead and figuring out what the advantage is and how to move yourself based on what the market's doing. When I think about this too, Mike, you, you really hit a good point that I wanted to get to. So let's say that the four-week strategy or the, the four-week uh, data plays out and let's say it was a full season. Like let's say that four-week information was extrapolated and that was the full season, right? What's going to happen there is the narrative of today with some of the advanced, the dynasty degenerates, you guys tapped in, right? You're listening, you know, you're ahead, right? Those people are going to be even further ahead of like wide receivers, wide receivers, wide receivers, which is fine still if that's what you want to do. But the point is, and it might even be the optimal strategy, but I want you to think about it like this. If you have teams built that way now, you're probably sitting ahead. But if you go into startups next off season, right? Because we talk a lot about 4D as a whole. A lot of it is based on startup values and teardowns. Like those are two of our biggest things, right? Huge. Yes. So when you think about the startup, right? And what's the optimal way to approach a startup? It still might be that receivers is the best play, but here's what's going to happen. If the majority of gamers are saying the same thing, Mike, what's the first three to four rounds going to be? Quarterbacks and wide receivers. Perfect. Because I'll, I, I will absolutely zig the running backs. Well, well, Still. Well, well, well here's, what's, here's what's interesting, right? Because I just want you to think about it from this perspective, right? Right now, the way that startups are currently done, that's based, that's based on really before all of this information's happened, the first four weeks, and the, the shift in the mindset going further, right? So the reason I'm saying that is there's probably a scenario, Mike, right now where you left the first four rounds with a great quarterback, a stud quarterback, a Mahomes, a Herbert, a Lamar, right? And then you also yeah. tapped C.D. Lamb, Debo Samuel, and you know Tyreek Hill. Right now, based on what the strategy was with the running back landscape before this shift, dude, you could you I mean, if you landed those first first four picks in a lineup league, you are sitting fucking pretty. You have a very yes. good chance to win your league. Hundred percent. Right? Let's keep yep. it real. But Mike, here's the thing: if if everybody shifts, I want you to think about this long term. I'm not saying that it's not the right play, but I'm just saying to think about in the future of what startups look like, because I think that's one thing that's being missed in this whole conversation is now, if that's the case, right? Tyreek Hill is no, no chance. He's going to be in the fourth round. No chance. Right. So so, so what's going to happen is unless you're trading pick values up or you're trading up in your drafts, you're trading futures. Like in order to get the three head wide receivers that you're currently able to get, if you drafted receivers, that's not going to exist in that future moment of running backs are dead. Oh, wow. Yeah. You're bringing up a great point, man. Like if if we kind of shift and we kick out some of those and we don't got to kick out all of them because there's always going to be some, some stragglers or you're still drafting the hero RB. So it's not all running backs are gone, but primarily they're gone. But if we kick out some of those guys from rounds like two and three and uh, you know, we move them down to like round four. Right, so if we think about some of these running backs, where people are like I ain't fucking drafting running back early anymore, 
Well, that means that moves all the wide receivers up, or that moves you know it moves the quarterbacks up. You're going to be looking at dudes like uh, like this year, man. Could you imagine if if Terry McLaurin was going in the third round, right? Because we kicked some of those running backs out, Oof. right? How are you feeling if in the third round you took Terry McLaurin, right? There's some promising stats from his air yards perspective, but the fantasy fucking points have not been there. He's right. been and, an actual pretty big disappointment for us. And, and we'll look, again, look. another dude who we did a video on who just said like, "Oh, I watched your video. Fuck you. Fuck you, 4D." <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not here. I'm not sitting here trying to tell you we've got everything right. We we have missed a lot, and that's part of learning. And, and I'm not trying to sit here and tell you I have all the answers. I'm just, I'm just thinking about things and want everybody else to really think and assess what this is i'm telling you right now this is going to be one of the biggest narratives and biggest things to keep your pulse on is this shift because if it's real like just think about it this way mike right now you're looking at like 20 running backs in the first five rounds yeah right so so, so if you kick 12 13 14 of those guys really far down to the fifth sixth round mike you're talking about if you were to draft this year now in that landscape, like let's with it, an idea of a future mindset, Deontay Johnson's in the third round. Terry McLaurin's in the third round. Mike Evans is in the third round. Jerry Judy's in the third round. Right. So like, yeah, or, 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 sure. or back, or, or back in third, early fourth, somewhere in that, that range. So the, the point is here, if the narrative actually shifts heavily that way, be cognizant of how you're going to, to navigate that right now, as the market stands today, though, in a lineup league, Scott is 100% right. Because if you can still get out of running backs at old value in a lineup league and shift it to wide receivers, I mean, absolutely do it. Like, I'm not sitting here trying to fight the reality and what's real. What I'm trying to explain to people is this. They're still in best ball. Is a running back early is not a terrible approach. It's actually, it's not as, it's not what we thought it would be. But it is still looking like a little bit more of the optimal approach in best ball. Whereas in lineup, that's clearly not the case. Um, but think about in, in startups next year. And, and ultimately, Mike, I think this is important for rookie picks too, because if you do this with rookie picks, right, you're looking at probably the first four or five picks that you want. Like if we include Bijan, just cause he's going to be the hero RB everybody wants. And, and then those, those picks are going to have a totally different value. And what's really interesting to me too, Mike, is if this actually happens, where do some of these running backs go in startup values? And if that's the case too, where are what are you actually using some of these twenty three picks you think that are going to be gold? And when you press the button on them, you look at their startup value and realize like, man, I paid all this for that one oh one oh nine one ten, and I took a running back that's really not going until the seventh, eighth, ninth round. Yeah, I, I think about like why you're talking about all this, man. The one thing I always come back to is. Uh... One of the the mainstays and pillars for me in my dynasty career was always uh, Mike Lou, uh, Mike me up, um, retired doing other things. Uh, such, out there such making a, such a great dynasty dollars. mind, man. Such a great it's, dynasty mind. Such a great mind at no matter what he does. But he was fantastic Fair. at dynasty. Um, this is also why he's retired from the content because he's just so good at doing everything. He's like, I have other interests, so. But one of the things that he always said was was be water, right? And, and be fluid, be liquid, be able to take on any shape. And what you're talking about there, Adam, with, with startups, doesn't matter if it's best ball or lineup. 
the general consensus, and one of the things we always talk about being on here is 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 that kind of like zig zig when everybody else is zagging. Um, being able to go with the flow, you know, instead of drafting our you know a wide receiver twenty four, if RB five is still on the board, fucking take RB five, <laughs> like just do it. I know it may be like, hey, wide receivers over over running backs, but everything has a limit and everything has a breaking point. You don't have to you in a startup draft in general. Like one of the things that we talk about with our patrons, especially, is you don't have to chase. Like when somebody starts a run or everybody goes on a quarterback run, you don't want to be the the last guy. You know, you don't want to be getting quarterback nine. So, when, when, when your tier was quarterback eight, right? You don't want to be chasing, right? Start a new tier. Start your own fucking run, right? Be the first guy to take something else. We do it in everything we do, whether it's uh, a redraft, whether it's dynasty, whether it's these all 22 leagues that we started doing, right? Everybody started out quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. And what did I do, Adam? Fuck them quarterbacks. I ain't taking quarterbacks. I'm going to take wide receivers or I'm going to take edge rushers. I'm going to do whatever the fuck I feel like in all 22 drafts. So that is a huge thing. But let's get back to your original point where you're talking about. And this is something that confuses the shit out of me, too, because I've kind of seen the, uh, you know, we see the data. We can acknowledge it. But. It's a weird dynamic where people are going, yes, we can see it. We can acknowledge the fact that wide receivers are kicking the shit out of running backs so far this year. Four weeks but in, like there's you, no debate. It's not a debate. Right. Like you're talking about 23 class. To me, like the whole part of the 23 class that we love is the running backs. Um, the quarterbacks, they have issues. Um, Bryce Young before the shoulder injury had issues about, you know, size. Holy shit, can he hold up in the NFL? He's kind of a really slender built, smaller type quarterback. Right. You know, we, we kind of see some of the struggles too is going through right now. Not only the concussions, but he's had so many injuries throughout his entire career, you know, tightrope surgery, a fucking dislocated hip, a weird, you know, Bo Jackson type injury. He's just kind of always been nicked up, so we're always kind of worried about these uh, slender frame-type quarterbacks, and Bryce Young is one of those. C.J. Stroud, week one was not good. Uh, people are like, this is your your your, your QB1? <laughs> this this is your guy? And it's like, man, you're, you're on pretty good footing, right? He didn't look great. And then he's had some moments, and then he's had some not-so-good moments, so he's kind of up and down. The other quarterbacks of the class, Anthony Richardson, Great week one, terrible, you know, the next couple weeks, and then, you know, a slight rebound. Will Levis has some issues, whether that's him or his offensive line. Tyler Van Dyke is pretty much just out of everybody's fucking mouth in conversation. Maybe you get another surprise, like a Jaron Hall or somebody else who rises up. Michael Mayer, the tight end, who we were like, oh, that's baby Gronk 2.0. Some of his warts have uh, been exposed. <laughs> And, and some smart people have been out there like, why the fuck are we so high on this guy? Like, he's he's not athletic. Like, what are we, what are we doing with this guy? Right. It's also the tight end position. We know it's usually a dumpster fire unless yeah, your name's ch- Kyle Pitts. You're chasing every year because it's yes. so bad. Right. The wide receiver position. Uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba have been beat up. Jordan Addison is probably the only one who's been uh, relatively consistent and performing up to expectation. Kayshawn Boutte. Boutte's been a disappointment, near- man. I, he, he's moved down my board. I talked to Ray earlier today. He's moved down his board. He, he's been disappointing, man. 
hasn't hasn't done much and damn near quit on his team week one. And that's going to leave a sour taste in not only our mouths, but NFL mouths. Um, so outside of that, the only thing we could really hang our hat on has been the running back position, right? Bijan Robinson, uh, you know, I've seen Dynasty RB2 already. Not even in the NFL yet, but Dynasty RB2. Uh, Jameer Gibbs, phenomenal last week. And he's pretty much been phenomenal his entire career. But we do have some concerns about his size. Right. He's got that DeAndre Swift type body style, right? Correct. He hasn't shown the injuries that Swift, you know, did at times. Correct. He's got that build. 100% correct. Um, Zach Evans had a great start to the season, kind of faded. I don't know if this Judkins kid is for real. Right. But it just seems like every time I look at anything Ole Miss, it's it's always Judkins and, and not a lot of Zach Evans. So I don't know where the fuck he stands. Um, Sean Tucker, we I I don't. Th- this is a Sean Tucker friendly show. I love Sean Tucker to death. I love the talent. I love the burst. I love everything about him. But again, we're gonna have questions because of Syracuse and the ACC and blah blah blah. Tank Bigsby kind of been up and down. But in general, the only thing that's really produced consistently, like I can knock these running backs for individual things, has been the running back position. We're in this weird dynamic, though, where this is what the 23 class is kind of built on, if you strip away all the bullshit. And yet we're in a a 2022 where people are, are starting to get more and more out on the running back position. So I think there's this weird disconnect with being out on the running back position in in dynasty or redraft or whatever, and then thinking that 2023 is going to save everything, right? Like these four, five, six running backs, whatever you get, are so much better than the current crop of running backs we have, right? They're better than Barkley. They're better than an aging uh, Zeke Elliott, better than Aaron Jones, better than Christian McCaffrey, better than Jonathan Taylor, Antonio Gibson, J.K. Dobbins, Cam Akers, DeAndre Swift. I mean, the list goes on and on. Austin Eckler. Like, they're so much better than these guys, or these guys are all immediately going to fall off, like, as soon as next year. And there's going to be this great reset of 2023 is going to make running backs great again. Well, and I, I, I don't understand it when everything we're kind of looking at from a, a data set um, with our eyes, with our, you know, with our, ability to process and try to analyze football right, right. even if says, you just says no right even if you just watch football you can kind of understand the idea behind the numbers and that it correlates with what you're watching right because it's the reality now here's what's interesting mike because we're at the point where like we got to try to wrap up here pretty soon but at this point right it's it's so interesting because there's a few different ways this can play out if we're being, if we're keeping it a thousand percent real. So let's say the narrative stays this way the whole time, right? Ray and I were talking a little bit back and forth in Heisman right before we did the the trade show and then did this episode today on Wednesday about how the 23 class, right? It, it's built up with a lot of these running backs. And now if you think about it this way, Mike, this was something Ray and I didn't talk about when I thought about zero RB kind of had its point early when it really first surfaced. Now, the game has been changing some, like Scott talked about that in his podcast, and yeah. the usage, the splits, how they're utilizing backs primarily as like the Saquon Barkley workload, it's getting more rare. But going into the 2017 season, 0RB had really hit like a point of, 
like people were really in right from 2014 to 2016 the, the first real strong zero rb push hit and then the 2017 class happened mike and as time went on that pushed value back to the running backs to where not saying the zero rbers all went away but that the the robust rb kind of came back into the fold right and then yeah. you had the 2020 class happen and the 2020 class was telling everybody that RBs are early. If you think about your off-season drafts, if you were in startups, if you're Dynasty Degenerates, just try to stick with me here on this. 2020, you were looking at, in that off-season, crazy RB high. Like, you're looking at Jacobs going early, Sanders going early, all these rookie running backs going early in startups, right? And then yeah. slowly but surely, right, because what happened with that 2020 class, it wasn't that they weren't talented, but you had Akers underperform, then perform, then get hurt. J.K. Dobbins kind of performed late, but didn't show you enough. Get hurt. Uh, you had, you know, Clyde Edwards Hilaire, complete bust so far until this season, where all of a sudden he's getting lucky as hell with touchdowns and all this other stuff. But that's neither here nor there. Jonathan Taylor was the one piece of that running back room. And he had his issues early, Mike. He didn't even smash his rookie season. Like, people towards the end, him. people yeah, were, people I watched him. panic cells of, of Jonathan Taylor 2020, right? So when you start thinking about this, then. The narrative switched going into 2021 a little bit. Like it was not quite as RB heavy in the startups. Then obviously this year, running backs started falling even more. And now it's to the point, and there's two things to think about here. Content, right? Mike and I, we're, we're giving you content. Dynasty Generous, you're tapped in. You're, we, we were not giving content before. Scott's made a big name for himself. Ray's made a big, everybody on here. There's so many places to consume content and, and every all information is so much quicker to us and easily consumable and people are just tapped in more because of all the content. So it really feels like now the running back push, if the things stay the same the rest of this year is going to be bad. But think about it this way, Mike, because this is what Ray brought up and I had been thinking about this. I think he's really right about to think about the future. So if we do this RB reaching, I'm sorry, wide receiver reaching because running backs were afraid of, and especially in the 23 rookie class, you take Addison, you take Boutte, you take JSN, whatever. And the running back smash. Because here's what happened. 2020, the reality is those guys didn't smash. A lot of it was because of either not playing well early, they didn't play earlier, they got hurt. But let's say if the yeah. 2023 rookies smash the running backs, not saying the wide receivers don't play well, but those running backs smash and all of a sudden there's this little mini resurgence. Like, what happens to the entire running back landscape then? Because, honestly, the reason 2023 picks have been highly valued is because we are so desperate to get running back, like, young, talented running backs back up to this list. Because, Mike, we talked about it all all this offseason, about how there's really five that offer potential win-now smash points, but also youth. And so there's this youth needed into the running back landscape. So if that happens in – I'm not saying it's going to get back to 2020, but if it kind of moves up forward a little bit come next year, like, did you sell all the picks too low? The point is, I'm not, none of this is guaranteed or concrete information. It's just things to think about with how leagues are going to be valuing these players. And is there a possibility of resurgence at all from the running back position? And, and like you and I talked about, Mike, for us, not saying lineup isn't important, but with best ball, when it comes to best ball, Mike, we're already still seeing that if you get a few good running backs early, you can backfill wide receiver in best ball, which is still optimal. So depending on your league format, depending on what you think the future holds, listen, none of this is to tell you that Scott's wrong because he absolutely is right. And, and the hero RB when it comes to these 
shorter lineup leagues and lineup leagues in general can absolutely work. Data's proving it. But just think about, is that going to always be the case when 2023 is banked on running back value? I think through all of this, the the last piece of actionable, actionable, Jesus, I can't even say the word, actionable, there we go, (laughs) nailed it, did it, third try, (laughs) actionable advice that I would give the Dynasty Degenerates, those of you listening, would be, for me, Adam, I want to hedge, specifically with 2023, I'm going to hedge a little bit, where I, I completely get your point, and I get what Ray's talking about. Right, you're going to if 2023 running backs hit, you you will change the landscape, right? Where the people who have them, who had the conviction to take them in their rookie drafts, are now set up for the next four to five years with the the crop of three to five running backs who are gonna be perennial top ten options, game changers, the kind of guys that we talked about. On the spreadsheet, the spike week consisting ones, the ones that are a positional advantage week in and week out, lineup best ball doesn't fucking matter. You are beating your league mates week in and week out with these running backs. I'm going to hedge a little bit, though, just in case we're wrong. Oh, of course. You're 100% right, yes. Just in case there's some warts. And and what I'm going to hedge to is something that's kind of being forgotten. Uh, JB and I had a a a great talk about the 2024 class and he gave me some fantastic data about it and what i want to do is possibly hedge more into the 2024 class because 2023 is at such a value you know what i mean like i can get a 2024 pick equivalent and a plus right now not only because of the time difference but if i also look at it if i kind of just look through a a crystal ball and I want to put some chips down at the roulette table, per se, the 2024 class, you're looking at Travion Henderson. You're an Ohio State fan. You know how phenomenal of a talent he is at the running back position. Uh, Rocket Sanders, Raheem Sanders out of Arkansas. Loving his Holy game. Holy shit. Loving his game. Like, has he, has he kind of just been, like, exploded on this? Talk about everything that you and I love at the running back position, right? Big fast like i like those 220 fast. plus guys Very who can fast. run a 4-3 <laughs> yeah. those guys the jonathan taylor's the saquon barkley's you know um r.i.p antonio gibson but he was one of them the bo jackson types you know those huge dudes who run extremely fast and can do it all he is one of those dudes uh braylon allen again another giant i don't know if he's as fat like he's probably not a 4-3 guy Maybe a four or five guy, but still big, fast, like my type of running back. And that's just the ones we know about, like the ones who haven't emerged already in that 24 class or some of these 23 guys who may end up going back to school for another year because of the whole NIL situation, the transfer, maybe want to win a championship, whatever the fucking case may be. We already have a good idea of what the 24 class is. I think I'm going to hedge just a little bit, right? Because 23 is at a crazy value. I think there's a little bit of a fallacy about if we're kind of having this RB running uh, wide receiver shift that maybe I want to just put some of those assets and I just want to kick them down the road while it's at its peak and kind of hedge that maybe maybe we're a year too early. We know 22 wasn't it. It was... K 
Kenneth Walker and th- and that was it for for us. Like outside of that, at the running back position, it was a, a dumpster fire. Now Damian Pierce is doing something, but Isaiah Spiller mostly inactive. R.I.P. Like the- James <laughs> yeah, Cook, yeah, yeah. R.I.P. So far, yeah, so far. Um, so maybe maybe we're also just a year early on twenty twenty three. When I kind of look at the class as a whole, like Bijan's great. Um, Jameer Gibbs looks good. But the rest of them, you know, I, you know, I'm a, Sean Tucker, I'm a Sean Tucker guy, but there's question marks. Uh, Zach Evans has had moments, but there's question marks, you know, so on and so forth with these guys. With 24, I don't have as many questions, and people are kind of just pushing it off to the side because we've been told 23, 23, 23, 23, 23. It, it makes 24 an incredible value. So that's my actionable advice to the Dynasty Degenerates is maybe if you have a portfolio – like I'm not going to advocate this in your if you only play in one dynasty league, probably not the move to make. Right, <laughs> right. No, probably right, not. Correct, the, correct. If you play in five or more leagues, though, just take a couple. If if you've got 23 picks and you've got multiple of them, see what you can get. Right, see if you can still push this great RB reset of 2023 that's incoming, and go like I'm going to put some chips down on 2024, and I'm going to put some. I'm going to bet against 2023 just a little bit. I'm, I'm going to be like, you guys are wrong, and I'm going to push some chips to 2024, and maybe I get some assets that help me now or next year, that kind of thing, without investing in 23 and see where you're at. But for me, in the 30 fucking odd leagues that I do, Adam, I'm actually going to go out in these leagues where I have four, five, 23 first, and in a handful of these leagues, Adam, you're going to see me. You're in these leagues. I'm going to go see if I can get somebody's 24 pick. <laughs> somebody that I look at and I go like, this team's going to be god-awful in 2024. Hello, Travion Henderson, or hello, Raheem Sanders. Hello, Braylon Allen. Whatever the fuck I want, that's what I'm going to go try to do. So that's my last piece of actionable advice. I, I absolutely loved this show because it does open up so many things that I want to do and some pivots that I kind of want to make. And – even though it's a uh, it's a uh, hard to swallow pill, right? We got a whole handful through the first four weeks about the running back position. It's a good one to have because if you're not adapting in your dynasty, you're not adapting in fantasy football. You're going to be the guy that we're all making fun of. You're going to be the person that we're all going like, this dude always finishes last, and it's just because you're stubborn and you don't want to change your ways. Right? Even you and I, no, we ain't RB doing truthers, that, we ain't doing that. I'm gonna. I got to turn the RB dial down, right? It was at a 10. We're, we're the RB truther guys. It was at a 10. We're probably at an eight. <laughs> I still love RBs. I still love RBs. Just not as much as I used to. <laughs> the data says don't do it. Yeah, I mean, based on the landscape, it, it, it's 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 been proven a bad bet. Uh, we, we we can tell you, though, we, we showed you the numbers that say um, in, in best ball, it actually is not the same as in lineup, and it hasn't been as bad as a bet. Which, Mike, I think this is the last thing I'll finish before we get out of here. What I'm thinking about, because, Mike, you know, we play in a lot of leagues together. You know that as far as best ball leagues and what ATM's doing in rebuilds, I mean, 23. In the leagues I have 23 picks, I got 24 picks. So I'm not, like, underexposed in 24 and all the 23. Like, I got both. So what I'm going to do, Mike, based on the information we told you in best ball, is let the narrative shift happen if it does. Because, Mike, guess what's going to happen? 
We we I I have a I have the most recent rookie mock pulled up. Mike, guess what I'm going to be able to do with some of these later firsts? Yeah. Mike, I can probably get Sean Tucker, Zach Evans, Tank Bigsby, you know, Devin A. Chain. Hell, man, if the if it gets crazy enough, I might even get Gibbs at like 107, 108. So right. the, the point right. is, there's a couple things I'd say actionable, what I'm going to do and what I would suggest. Now, if you don't want to listen to what I would suggest because you think I've screwed you all along, I, I get it. But what I'm going to suggest anyway is, if you can move 23 picks at crazy value that has been the case to de-risk some of your overexposure, I'm for it. Especially if you're getting into the wide receivers that are younger or stable range. I get it. Or even better, if you can find a way to maybe move like a couple of these projected late firsts for an elite quarterback. Uh, I'm in a league, right, where there's a guy named Baskin. I mean, Baskin is the death of me. He drives me crazy, but I know he listens to Scott. He's one of the Dynasty and Chill guys. I watched him move two 23s in Kenny Pickett for uh, Deshaun Watson and a start nine. And I'm like, I know why he did that. He's been sitting on these 23 picks. I know Scott told him 23s maybe not going to be as valuable in their later ones. So, like, something like that in lineup, I- I'm-, I'm all for Like, if you can do that type of thing, do it. Right now, today, even with the best ball conversation we're having, if you can move like a guy like Joe Mixon or some of these running backs that are aging, that aren't producing, for full boat value of old to an RB truther, do it, right? Th- those are things that you have to be honest about and explore. Um, but that being said, like if you can't and the narrative shifts heavily against running backs, like I- I'm not going to tell you to go sell running backs at a super big discount in best ball leagues because – this narrative shifting now in lineup, totally different conversation, but in, in best ball, I think before I move some of these later 23 picks in best ball, I may actually want some of them depending on how bad the narrative shift becomes, because even if the running backs are being clowned, if they get to the back half, Mike, I'm going to take a lot of shots on these because we just saw, saw the best ball numbers, even when running backs are down and we're admitting running backs are down. They look like a, a small optimal play. So um, that, that's kind of what I'm going to do. Um, Mike, if you got anything else to say, let me know. Otherwise, I'm going to get us out of here. No, man, that's the, that's the crux of what we do here at 40 Chess, right? It's always been the crux, the, the tear down, the asset multiplication, that kind of thing in general. Um, but at some point too, Adam, you and I are, are, are staunch proponents of at some point, everybody becomes a value. I don't care who it is. We could be the biggest, uh, we, we touched on it a little bit earlier, we could be the biggest like Hollywood deniers, right? There's truthers and deniers. We're we're on the denier side. It's not real. But at some point, if his value became a thing, like I would have a billion Hollywood shares on my team if I could. There's a value for everybody. And if if the this great shift in the, the RB the RB reset gets a little bit out of hand, right? People are, are way down on Jonathan Taylor. And they're like, yo, you give me a first and a second, you can have JT. You best believe I'll be the first one at the door going like, I'm willing to make that bet. I'm willing to make the bet that Jonathan Taylor underperforming so far this year will turn it around. And I'm not always going to be right. I'm not always going to be right. I've already made this bet with Antonio Gibson, and I can say uh, paying a late 23 first for Antonio Gibson in uh, Royal Rumble is not paying off so well outside of week one. 
Yeah, my uh, excessive but, cam makers, you know, yes. over overexposure has really hurt me. The only good news is most of it's been in best ball, so I've had the backfill to still win. But whatever I invested in acres in most of the leagues, unless I bought him at his absolute fucking floor after Achilles, it's not paid off. Like we're, you're not going to bet 100. percent But that's yeah. kind of the point too. Is while not betting 100, percent how do we get to the edges overall? And when we make bets that we lose, overall we're still winning 60-70% because in a portfolio mindset, if you win 60-70%, the bad bets you make are going to be way overpaid by the ones you make right. So that's kind of the main takeaway. Uh, RBs aren't completely dead in best ball. The narrative shift is absolutely real. It's deserved. Wide receivers are smashing running backs right now in points per game. Um so, you know, take all that information, do it, do with it what you will. Understand that this is not a, you know, us being stubborn about running backs or anything like that. We're admitting running backs are not hitting to what we had hoped. But understand there's a push and pull to everything. And at where every action happens, there's a reaction. And keep all that at the forefront of your mind because I want you to just remember when your league mates are playing chess play 40 chess i love that transition that's gonna do it for us we're out of here we appreciate you we'll see you same time same place next week peace peace